1982, the Pebble Beach Golf Links on the Monterey Peninsula hosted the U.S. Open Championship and played to 6,815 yards and a par of 72. In 2015, in the second round of the U.S. Open, Chambers Bay Golf Course on Puget Sound played to 7,695 yards and a par of 70. Perhaps never in the 600-plus year history of golf has the game changed as much as it has in its last 30 or so years. If you need to find a fall guy, blame the computer chip. No doubt there has been golf instruction since one Scottish shepherd wielded a crook more proficiently than another. From H.B. Farney's book in 1857, to Bobby Jones's newsreels, to high-speed photographic sequences and videotape, the golf swing has been as dissected as any single athletic move. Now, launch monitors can tell you everything about the flight of a golf ball, except whether the eyes of the person who hit it are blue or brown. In 1982, drivers were polished persimmon, almost works of art. Now, their outsized laboratory experiments, the size of small pumpkins, fashioned out of titanium with a measurable coefficient of restitution, something that guys in 1982 would have thought was the time it took to get rid of a hangover. Today, golf balls are engineered. In 1982, some guys carried little steel rings to make sure they were round. Back then, golfers didn't travel with instructors or sit in the dark with sports psychologists or get their menus from nutritionists or have their backs pulverized by chiropractors or their abs ripped by personal trainers. If you saw an agent at all, it was because someone needed to fill the field in the Philippines in November and was prepared to pay handsomely, maybe several thousand dollars, to do it. These days, every player has his or her team. Are golfers more fit now? Sure, but how much clean and jerk is too much? Are they mentally more able to compete at the highest level? Well, that depends on whom you're talking about, and whether you think you can buy self-belief, or, at the very least, rent it for a while. Has stretching championship venues like Gumby made the game better or just more expensive to maintain? Have sports psychologists slowed play with pre-shot routines and visualization? Are drivers that cost as much as the used VW Beetle I bought right out of college in the early 70s worth the price? Or have they priced the game out of reach? Those weren't even considerations 30 years ago. Nostalgia, however, is a losing bet. Distance, time, cost, metadata, all the things that are right or wrong about the modern game failed to do one thing, change it fundamentally. During my time covering golf, most of my colleagues and virtually all of the players were introduced to the game as children. I came to it as a sports writer covering a beat no one else wanted and grew to understand that golf test and athletes insides like no other sport. To be able to perform as if that performance meant nothing more than stopping at the corner convenience store when it actually means all the world, is an immeasurable talent some seem born into, while others forge it in failure. The essays that follow are about my people, the players I saw revealing the best of themselves in the biggest moments. Whatever it is that made Jack versus Tom great in 1982 hasn't been altered one whit. The fundamental things still apply as time goes by. Chapter 5 Phil the Thrill Golf became more interesting the day Phil Mickelson, nothing more than a toddler at the time, mirrored his father's right-handed swing, and then stubbornly refused to switch. 
Phil was doing things his own way before he was out of pampers, which maybe explains why he's been flying by the seat of his pants his whole life. There were better players, one in particular, but no player made golf a more deliciously, impishly curious place than the naturally right-handed, thus inappropriately nicknamed Lefty. Chapter 12 Generation Next The open mouth of a Hoover washing machine is as good a place to start as any. On a piece of old videotape, nine-year-old Rory McElroy can be seen pitching golf balls into one on a television talk show set, something he'd been doing in his home in Hollywood, Northern Ireland, since the time he was roughly the height of the machine itself. He was a boy with recognizable gifts, and his parents, Jerry and Rosie, were clever enough to recognize them.